Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everyone. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Pau Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done, has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. This week's edition of Sports Business Radio is presented by Underdog Fantasy. Download the Underdog Fantasy app at underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SBR. An underdog will match your first deposit up to $100. After one week in the NFL, I think my best ball mania three team is on its way to winning the $2 million first prize. So sorry to Griggs and everyone else, but I think my team has got this thing wrapped up after one week. Our guest on the show this week, as I join you from Europe, my first ever trip to Europe, is Martin Ling. He is the director of football for Leighton Orient. Leighton Orient Football Club is a professional football club based in Leighton, which is East London in England. They compete in the EFL League Two, the fourth tier of the English Football League system. Founded in 1881, they are the second oldest club in London to play at a professional level. They're known to their fans by their nickname, the O's. You can find their website at LeightonOrient.com. I've been embedded with Leighton Orient over the past few days from riding on the team bus to an away match in Manchester, England, which is where I am now, to attending a training session to the match itself. I've gotten an insider's view into the organization and English football. It's been super educational, and you'll hear more about that in my conversation with Martin Ling on today's show. Uh, Griggs, how are you? Joining you from Europe, technology is amazing. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. You're sitting there, you know, nine hours ahead of me and I'm just waking up over here in Portland, Oregon. It's pretty cool. We can still connect and uh, just excited to hear your stories. The pictures have been great. Uh, Sports Business Radio on Instagram and uh, looks like you're having a good start to your trip so far. Yeah, it's been good. Um, It's been really amazing because who knew the day that I landed on my first trip to Europe, I start in London and Queen Elizabeth II dies at age 96. So It immediately changed the landscape of everything over here. Um, Sporting events were postponed, some canceled altogether. Obviously, people are in mourning over here. I couldn't sleep one night, so I got up at three in the morning and I hopped in an Uber and I went to Buckingham Palace and it was pretty amazing. I mean, I've seen it on TV my whole life. Um, You know, I've always been fascinated by the royals. So to stand there, and see Buckingham Palace and see journalists all over the world 
and people from all over the world who are coming to pay their respect to the queen. Pretty fascinating. Um, the viewing of the coffin is going to take place over the next four days. I may go stand in line for that to pay my respects, but um, they're saying the line could be 24 hours long and you know, will be hundreds of thousands of people from all over the world that are coming to pay their respects to the queen. Um, luckily, the football matches I'm going to this weekend are not going to be postponed or canceled. So um, I'm going to a match in about an hour with Leighton Orient on the road. And like I said, I'm at an away match with them. We've traveled to Manchester, England. That's been a cool experience, really seeing the inner workings of their organization from the football side. Then I'm going to focus on the business side on our podcast next week. I'm going to sit down with our friend, Nigel Travis. In America, you may know him as the former chair of Dunkin' Donuts and Baskin Robbins. He owns Leighton Orient and has been kind enough to roll out the red carpet for me here in Europe with his club. Um, And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that, but I'm going to attend the football match with him at Leighton this Saturday. And then Sunday, Griggs, I'm going to see my first ever English Premier League match. And that's the one I really didn't want to get canceled. Um, That's Brentford and Arsenal. So, um, you know, I've always heard about English Premier League. I've never felt the atmosphere or been to a match. So that's going to be a pretty great experience. And then, you know, you and I are both big Ted Lasso fans. So I'm staying in Richmond, home of AFC Richmond. By the way, congratulations to the cast of Ted Lasso and to the people at Apple Plus TV. Um, They just won another Emmy for Ted Lasso. But it's funny walking around Richmond, you see a lot of the places where the show is filmed. And I went to the pub. In real life, it's called The Prince's Head. And I went into the pub. They've got a little section devoted to Ted Lasso. And I took a picture. You can see it on our Instagram account at Sports Business Radio. But uh, I've gotten my fill of Ted Lasso. Unfortunately, filming is done. So none of the actors are around still. But it's been fun to kind of like take in the sights of where Ted Lasso is filmed. Yeah, the fish and chips looked really tasty. Oh, and they were good. I'm sure they were because uh, you can't go Guinness wrong. Guinness and the fish and chips. I mean... That was legit right there. Yeah, it's so cool you got to go there because like you mentioned, we're big Ted Lasso fans. And yeah, they're all back here in L.A. because the Emmys were last night here. And uh, fun seeing them all at the table, all dressed up and looking good and winning some Emmys because that show is uh, obviously awesome. We're looking forward to season three. I mean, I tweeted out. We talk about like. Teams that let free agents go, and I, I gave the example, even though I love Mark Cuban the Dallas Mavericks letting Steve Nash go from Dallas. He goes to Phoenix Suns and wins two MVP awards. Most people would go, my God, how did they let Steve Nash go? And even Cuban has said, like, he regrets that decision. NBC had Ted Lasso. They had the right of first refusal on the show. They decided, nah, the commercial won't equate to a TV series. We'll pass on that. Look at what Ted Lasso has done for Apple TV. My God. I mean, talk about some of the the worst decisions ever made. And and look, I'm not trying to rip on the people at NBC. They probably had no idea the show was going to take off like it did. But what a juggernaut it's been for Apple TV. And, uh, you know, it's just cool to be here in the home of Ted Lasso. Like we said, we're big fans of the show. Um, ironically, no AFC Richmond merchandise anywhere to be found. I haven't been able to find a scarf, a hoodie, a T-shirt, a jersey, nothing. That's odd. So Richmond is missing out on (laughs) the opportunity to cash in on Ted Lasso. The other thing that's interesting is some people in Richmond, like the people at the Prince's Head Bar, obviously know of Ted Lasso. They said the cast is very nice. They come in there to eat and drink when they're not filming. Um, But Other places around England, I've asked, hey, have you heard of Ted Lasso? And it's been mixed. Some people are like, oh, yeah, I've heard of it. I've never watched a show. Other people have never heard of it. And some people in Richmond have said, oh, yeah, we've heard of it. We've seen them filming like, you know, but it's been interesting. And then the people with Leighton Orient, I've asked them if they've seen Ted Lasso and they haven't seen it. So, um, you know, the real footballers here, soccer in America, they haven't really watched Ted Lasso. So it hasn't really caught on here yet, 
but uh, you know, we like it. And I thought it was cool to start my trip of Europe in Richmond, home of Ted Lasso. By the way, uh, I tweeted out, they're not a sponsor. Uh, I can't even remember their name now, but I had the best hot chocolate that I've ever had <laughs> in my life the other day. And this place needs to come to America. And it's now in the conversation of if you put something in front of me on my deathbed and these are like the last things I can choose to eat or drink, this is now in that conversation. That's how good it was. Briggs. Well, you know, here's the thing on hot chocolate. I know you're a big connoisseur and everywhere we go, you're getting hot chocolate. Uh, the movie Santa Claus, the first Santa Claus, she the little elf brings in the cup of hot chocolate to Tim Allen at Santa Claus. And I always thought that's got to be the best hot chocolate ever right there. But you may have found it. I may have found it and hang on a minute here. I got to find the name of it now. This is going to bother me if I don't find the name of it. So bear with me here. So what, um, what made it so different or good? Was there something to taste or flavor in it that made it different? It's really rich. Okay, that's good. Yeah, it's really rich. Um, and I like a rich hot chocolate, but there's something about their chocolate yeah. that is just, oh my gosh, it, it was... When I went to Amazing. Germany in high school, the chocolate over there was totally different. It was incredible. And you get bricks of it. Like you just buy a bar of chocolate and it was so different. It tasted so different than American chocolate. I don't know what it was. So that's probably it. The chocolate's just made differently or whatever that makes everything taste different. Okay. It's called Noops, K-N-O-O-P-S, chocolate. Noops chocolate. You can follow them on Twitter at Noops chocolate. Can someone in America, preferably <laughs> someone who is going to be living where I'm living, open up a Noops chocolate. I mean, Griggs, if we had money like it was going out of style, I would be opening one of these up because I think it would do gangbusters nice. in America. But uh, Noops chocolate. And according to my research, they're not in America yet. So yeah, I, I think we may be on to something here. Yeah, that's uh, I like the name. It's uh, fun and catchy. And yeah, hey, I'm in for a good cup of hot chocolate, too. So and I do like you. I like rich hot chocolate stuff. Sounds good. All right. A few other observations on my trip to Europe thus far. Um, I got to tell you, Griggs, the community and sport here is unlike anything I've ever seen in America. So what happens here is people play sport for the love of the game. So you'll go to the park on the weekend and people will be playing cricket. And like I talked to one guy who uh, the bar, which was opened in 1799, which keep in mind, American listeners, America was formed in 1776. So this bar opened in 1799. The bar almost every weekend since then on a pitch, a field that is a few hundred years old, they play other pubs in cricket and they'll play all weekend. And they just do it for the love of the sport. They'll drink a few pints. Uh, this has been passed on through the generations. People who go watch football slash soccer here in Europe, you know, they're having some pints beforehand. They're going to the match. They're doing this through generations of their family. And, you know, I know baseball has done that really well. Some basketball has done that. Some football, you know, the Green Bay Packers and the Chicago Bears, but there's just a, a certain sense of community here around sport that is different. The other thing that I don't see is, you know, how in America, everyone's trying to do, oh, my kid's going to be the next, you know, elite youth basketball player or football or baseball or soccer. And everyone is like grooming their kid to be a pro athlete. You don't see that here. They have these academies and some of the kids will join the academy starting at nine years old. You have to be discovered, but you just don't see, you don't go to the parks and see like kids playing soccer or um, these pay to play, you know, type of elite youth organizations that we see in America. So that's been really different, but I, I just love going to the pub and listening to people talk about their favorite European football club and, you know, the manager and the players and, is the person a, a wanker, you know, all, all of this kind of stuff. Um, you know, so in that regard, Ted Lasso is pretty accurate when they're calling Ted Lasso a wanker. Um, so that's been interesting. And then 
the public transportation here is fantastic. So remember when you, me, and Brad Kinzer, our friend, were at Sports PR Summit and we like got lost. We went the wrong way on <laughs> right, the subway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we, I think we were trying to go to Brooklyn and I think we were going to wind up in like Boston or yeah. something or like we were, we were going the very wrong way. Well, here they have something called the underground, which is basically their subway. And I'll tell you, I've had to navigate that. You guys would be pretty proud of me. I'm usually a, a you know, Uber, Lyft type of person, but I've been navigating the underground uh, pretty well. It does get you around a lot faster. Um, they do have Uber here. They do not have Lyft here. Um, the taxis are like the coolest cars you've ever seen. I mean, you want to just take a ride in a taxi because it's a cool looking car. <laughs> it's a black cab and uh, it's really neat. Um, I cannot get used to the driving on the other side of the road yeah, thing yet. No. Like I've almost gotten run over by buses and cars a few <laughs> times because I look left when I should be looking right to cross the street. And I'm like, oh my God, I just almost bought the farm because I got hit because I was looking the wrong way. Oh man. So that whole thing has thrown me off. I'm not sure if I'm gonna get used to that. Um the sports gambling here, Griggs, is late years ahead of the U.S. You know how in the U.S. right now, there's still states where it's not right. legalized to sports gamble. So, you know, you've got to go into a different area to place a bet. Um, here, I mean, you can bet on, uh, you know, are there two cows that are going to produce milk by <laughs> noon? I mean, it's, I'm not kidding. There's actually something. Sky Bet, and I tweeted about this at SB Radio. Sky Bet has something called Request a Bet. So it's the handle on Twitter is at Request a Bet. And you can go on there and you can literally say, you know what? I'm at a woman's lacrosse game and it's these two teams playing. And I think this team's going to beat this team. And you can request that they accept your bet on it. They can either say yes or no. They can establish the odds, wow. but you can request a bet. Like you and I could say, you know, uh, I don't know, Lake Oswego High School is playing uh, Jesuit in Oregon. And this is the game and this is what time it's going to be playing. And so you can set a line on it hmm. and you can bet on it. And, you know, now the fact that everyone has, the betting apps on their phone instead of having to go to the parlors like is what they used to do over here you'd go to the parlor in every neighborhood uh in europe you could place a bet on anything so i feel like america hasn't caught up to europe yet when it comes to sports betting and the number of things you can bet on i'm not quite sure how you would regulate this like how do you set the line on a high school game or yeah how do you um, you know, set the line on, on other things, but, uh, you know, it, it's certainly interesting to follow the sports betting here. Um, so that's, what's going on over here in Europe. You're going to enjoy the conversation with Martin Ling, but I did want to get to a few, uh, American sports business headlines first, Griggs, you know, I'm not there. So did you watch Monday night football with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman and then the Manning cast? And if so, what were your thoughts? Yep. I, I flipped back and forth. I started with Joe and Troy and it's weird because it's on ABC, but it so feels like a Fox broadcast, which was kind of weird, but they sounded great. I mean, they're awesome together. Uh, but I spent more time on the Manning cast, which is always hilarious and fun. And uh, I thought it was good. It was a crazy good game that ended up being kind of a surprise. No one thought Seattle was going to win that game. So um, yeah, I thought overall it looked good. Both, both casts looked good, but yeah, it was kind of weird having Troy and uh, Joe on ABC. Yeah. I mean, you kind of, think you're watching Fox because they've been on for exactly. so long yeah. on there. Um, it's kind of like when Al Michaels and John Madden, you know, moved around, you're like, wait a minute. But yeah, it looked like it was good. You know, I saw some clips on social media over here and, and it looked good. The Manning cast, the, it was gold at the end when Denver's uh, coach mismanaged the clock and you hear the Manning brothers, like basically saying, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> to the, the coach, um, and they totally botched that. So that made for good theater at the end of that game. Uh, Sunday Night Football on NBC, they had the biggest game of the week, though. Dallas Cowboys, Tampa Bay Bucks, a snooze fest of a game, 19-3 to is Dak Prescott gets hurt. Griggs, 
it had 25 million viewers, the best Sunday night football uh, ratings since 2015. So huge number opening night, not a surprise, Dallas and Tom Brady, you mix those. Um, But, you know, with Cooper Rush playing quarterback for the Cowboys now, if that's in fact what happens, you wonder what the ratings for the Cowboys are going to look like in the future. But they were really, really big. Going back to ESPN for a minute, they're paying Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, and the Mannings more than $50 million this season. So, um, you know, you said it was really good. It should be for $50 million when you're paying all of that talent. But, you know, for a while, and this is nothing against the people who did Monday Night Football before on ESPN, but, you know, Buck and Aikman are huge names and they're household names, and you're going to tune in to watch the game as much for them as you are anything else. And then that alternate Manning cast, as we've discussed last year, was just fantastic. So, um, you know, they're giving viewers lots of different options there. What about college football this past weekend, Greg? So Texas A&M paid Appalachian State $1.5 million to have them come to College Station and kick their butt. (laughs) And then Notre Dame paid Marshall $1.25 million and Notre Dame lost at home. So we saw some huge upsets last weekend and where, you know, those elite teams like Texas A&M and Notre Dame are actually paying these programs to come to their stadium so they can fill the schedule and they end up losing. So that's not good when you pay, you know, almost a couple million dollars to lose at home. And, you know, your thoughts of uh, college football playoff are out the window in week one. Yeah. And it's kind of funny too, because of that Appalachian state win, Game day is going to be at App State this weekend. So that's kind of fun for them. They're pumped about that. And uh, and Texas and Alabama game came down to the wire. Texas should have upset Alabama, but didn't. Uh, Alabama, of course, figured out a way to squeak it out. But uh, a lot of fun games and a couple of great upsets. And Notre Dame, that was a weird game. I did not expect Marshall to come in there and win that one. But uh, fun to have football back. Fun to have NFL back. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it for sure. Yeah, NFL is pretty big over here. Um, people are excited for some of the games to take place uh, in October um, in Europe. NBA, it's really interesting. Basketball is not big in England. It's big in the rest of Europe, but it's not really very big in England. So in England, the two biggest sports by far to watch are football slash soccer. So not NFL, but like European soccer, European football and cricket. And Griggs, like I said, when I went to the park the other day, I basically spent two days in the little park featured on Ted Lasso in Richmond. And I walked up to one of the guys playing cricket and I said, explain cricket to me like I'm a three-year-old <laughs> and <laughs> I still don't understand it. Yeah, It is just the most bizarre game, but it is very, very popular here. And in other parts of the world, India, it's huge. Mm-hmm. Um, some of the cricket players can make lots and lots of money. So, you know, again, for our listeners, you know, this is week one for me in Europe. My goal is to stay over here for at least a few weeks to bring you some insight on sports business in Europe. Football is the biggest sport in the world, but especially in Europe. And, you know, I really feel like this conversation with Martin Ling, the director of football at Leighton Orient, is going to be educational for you. A lot of American fans don't understand soccer slash football over here. Um, there's different levels. I mean, the main thing that I love about European football, Griggs, is there's promotion and there's relegation. And if you perform well in a season, you're moving up a level. And if you don't perform well or you tank, you're getting relegated. And I think about, you know, especially in the NBA for a while there where tanking was an issue. You know, you're trying to get the first pick. Hey, I want to get LeBron James or I want to get, you know, whoever, Anthony Davis. And if there was promotion and relegation, it would put so much more pressure on the clubs to perform at a high level. The fans would like get into every single match because every single match counts or game because you want to get promoted or you want to get relegated. But like, imagine if, uh, you know, a team like the Hillsborough hops, a minor league baseball team, was competing to get promoted up to Major League Baseball. Yeah. I mean, wow. Or 
On the flip side, if the Oakland A's or the Florida Marlins, they were in danger of being relegated and moving down because all they're doing is, you know, amassing money and draft picks or, you know, Oklahoma City Thunder, right? Like, hey, we have a ton of draft picks, but are you really trying to win right now? Are you just tanking in order to get the best draft picks and make the best trades? And, you know, in America, a lot of the owners are promising future hope. Well, bear with us. We've got all these draft picks. Keep keep with us. Well, in Europe, that doesn't fly. Like you've got to perform year in and year out. And if you don't, you're either staying where you are or you're getting promoted or you're moving down and getting relegated. And it makes it like the coaches I've talked to over here, they do not understand American sport and how there's not promotion and, and relegation because they just say like Major League Soccer, they gave us an example. Those are always going to be the teams. No one's moving up. No one's moving down. Those are the teams year in and year out. And they don't understand because it's not the system here. So I actually like the system here a lot more because there's a lot more on the line. And, you know, if you move up a level in soccer, Griggs, that's worth a lot of money to your franchise value. It's worth a lot of money for your merchandise and your TV and your streaming deals. Like there are you know, clubs that started towards the bottom and they've moved up to English Premier League, the top level. So um, Martin does a really good job of explaining the different levels of the soccer leagues here and taking us inside the business. What does their payroll look like? How much are players earning? Um, Things of that nature. And then next week, again, Nigel Travis, who lives in Boston, but is from London, Grew up a Leighton Orient fan. The team was in financial distress a few years ago. He purchased the team and he's kind enough to, you know, let me come inside of, of Leighton Orient for basically a week or two. We're going to a match this weekend. So next week on our show, we'll dig into the business operations. For example, they just launched a streaming service and, you know, the streaming service can be seen by fans all over Europe and obviously fans all over the world. So even an American like me can go home after this and stream late Orient football matches. And it's a great source of revenue for them. So, you know, if you're looking for new sources of revenue, streaming, sports betting, those are all things that are really making a difference for the, the professional teams over here. But Griggs, I got to tell you, I love London so far. I could totally live in London. Um, I would compare it to uh, New York, very busy, lots of people, lots of transportation. Um, The food is pretty good. I've heard, you know, if I make it to Italy and Spain and places like that, the food might be a little bit better. But I did find the the world's greatest hot chocolate, as we discussed earlier. So that's a discovery. Yes. I had some really good fish and chips. And the Guinness, I got to tell you, it just tastes different over here in Europe. Like, I, I think... It's better over here. Maybe it's just because I'm in Europe, but it tastes pretty darn good here, Greg. Well, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm just excited to hear about your stories. I love seeing the pictures and the posts and the videos. Uh, it's just an exciting time, an interesting time to be there, as we mentioned earlier with the Queen passing. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, excited to hear how you, uh, how you fare this weekend with all your soccer matches. Yeah, I'm excited. This will be uh, a big weekend for me and soccer. You know, I've said on the show before, I'm not the biggest soccer fan out there. There's people who are much bigger, but I think the the business of soccer is super interesting. There's no bigger place for soccer in the world than Europe. Um, and I'm excited to see the matches this weekend. And, you know, on Monday, they have the service for the Queen. So basically everything shuts down. I mean, this would be like, you know, if the president died in the United States, they shut down the country. It's a holiday. There's a day of mourning. Um, they've had 10 days of mourning here, but like on the day of the actual funeral, like nothing will be open. So um, that's going to be interesting to see. Like I said, I may try and go pay my respect to the queen and see her uh, in the queue, but I will let everyone know on our show next week. As you said earlier, follow sports business radio on Instagram, follow me on Twitter at SB radio. And I'm posting a, uh, updates on a regular basis. And I think people will find it interesting as I, as I tour Europe, I do know that uh, after this, I'm going to Amsterdam Greg's. So some of the best people watching in the world I've heard and bike riding is in Amsterdam. So, you know, I just, 
keep hearing that queen song bicycle bicycle <laughs> i want to ride my bicycle yes and i want to do that in the streets of amsterdam i want to ride my bicycle so i'm kind of uh, excited about that yeah i went in high school and it was a fascinating city lots of cool buildings great rivers great bridges lots of color and you're right. People watching, bike riding, uh, pretty much anything. You can get pretty much anything you want in Amsterdam. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. That's what <laughs> I've heard. And, 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 you know, I guess I'll get to take in the scene for myself. All right. Coming up next, Martin Ling, director of football for Leighton Orient. They're the second oldest football club in London. I think you're going to find this to be uh, a fascinating conversation. It's basically European football 101. So if you're a student and you're listening to the show, you're going to find this really fascinating. You'll learn some of the differences between European and American sport. What's the payroll look like? How much do the players earn? This is really good stuff. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Hey, everyone. Brian Berger here. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors? Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting and most comfortable performance driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced and purpose driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in uh, Heather Gray. I've got them in Navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. So when I'm out in in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time I'm working from home and I've got my rain long sleeve gray heather camo. I've got my rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. And Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout, like Sports Business Radio 15, SBR15 at checkout. Receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com, and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. I'm here with Martin Ling, who is the Director of Football Operations for Leighton Orient. They are one of England's oldest football clubs, 1881 is when they started second oldest right martin thanks for joining me on sports business radio how are you yeah i'm very good thanks brian yeah all good and uh when you say it like that second oldest club it it it, it, it's home when when people talk about it there's a lot of there's a lot of tradition and 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 a lot of people gone before us that's for sure yeah a lot of history yeah big history I mean, when, I, when I'm over here from America, I see pitches that are older than America. I mean, it's really between cricket and football. There's a lot of history here. Yeah, there is. I mean, obviously, football goes back a long way, as does cricket. Uh, and, yeah, when you say in 1881, uh, you know, you're talking, what's that, 140 years we're talking. It's, a, it's, a, it's an awful long time. And, yeah, there's a, as you say, there's a lot of history and a lot of traditions within the within the football pyramid that's that's a very big pyramid now in america we've got the nfl we've got the nba major league baseball national hockey league i've wanted to do this for a long time come to europe and dig into the business of of european sport and there's no sport bigger than football so that's what we're going to do this week we're going to talk to you really about the football operation side of it. Yep. And then next week, we're going to talk to Nigel Travis, who's the chairman of Leighton Orient, about the business operations and what they're doing with streaming and you know some of the other clever things. Sports betting here is, I think, light years ahead of where America is at this point. Um, but let's dig into the, the football operations side. Let's start with some basics. Um, the structure of English football there's various leagues you fall into efl league two but for our audience who's not familiar with the structure of english football how does that break down yeah i mean we call it level four 
so level one being the Premier League, uh, level two being the Championship, level three being League One, and then us at level four. There's one more professional league, uh, which is the National League, where you talk about Wrexham earlier, the league they're in. But every 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 player in that league and every team in that league will be professional as well. So that's level five, and then it starts to go part time. Between like level six, seven, and eight, where it goes all the way through, where we have some of our younger players that go out on loan to clubs down that level. Uh, but yeah, effectively, we're level four of, of of the structure of the football pyramid. Over the years, it's had many names, but League Two is still level four, whatever way you want to look at it. I think our audience is interested in the structure. You, you know, your job is to put together the roster, yeah, hire the coach and training staff and, and things like that. Let's start with the roster. So in America, in some of the sports like the NBA, you've got a salary cap and you can only spend so much on your roster. How does it work here with your league? Yeah, there's no there's no salary cap, but we have to work. There's a financial fair play uh, where you have to, they call it FMCP in terms of uh, you have to work within the, 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 the boundaries. And that's to do with your revenue. Uh, so, if you look at our roster, I mean, we call it a squad. The playing squad is 32 players, uh, first-team players from the age of 18 to our oldest player of 37, who's, who's Darren Prattley. And then below that, we've got a what we call uh, an under-18 team that's full-time. So we've got 18 full-time scholars. So they're apprentice footballers learning to be footballers. So that takes you up to 50 full-time footballers coming into our training facility on a daily basis. Uh, so it's, it, you know, it, it, it's a big roster to look after, but we've got two, we've got two, two predominant teams they play for. Obviously the first team and the youth team play every week, but we also have development games for them people that are in between. And we have, we have, both players in on loan in our football club from ILE clubs, and we loan some of it. We've got seven players out on loan at the moment that are, that are at lower level than we, what we are. So even though we've got 20, uh, 32 players uh, on the roster, seven of them are unavailable for me today or for the managers today to pick because they're out on loan at another club. So we've got 25 players to pick from effectively. Give our audience an idea of what the level one first team footballers earn. You know, in America, again, we see millions of dollars being paid even to uh, some of the stars that have come over from here to Major League Soccer. For your club, what's an average salary? Yeah, I mean, it ranges from uh, a top pay player would earn uh, about one to 125 thousand uh, pound per, per year uh, going the right the way down to 20,000 pound per year so from the top uh, our, top, our top paid player would be about yeah 125,000 pound per year and as I just said the 20,000 for the bottom yeah the average would work out about 40 probably 40 50 maybe maybe even 60,000 pound per year uh, so it, it's there's a good living to be to be had but you're not when you think that 125,000 pound Per year, some people were earning half a million pound a year in the Premier League, so it's it's a better than uh, an average wage if you if you're doing a normal job, but it's not. Uh, everyone thinks it's going to be a lot bigger because what the Premier League wages are. So yeah, it's, it's a good living, uh, but our wage bill uh, this year will be two point three million pound for the for the old roster. And, uh, so for the year, that's that's what we would look to spend as a football club. And we're we're hitting our targets at the moment. We've got another transfer window to come in January, where some players at the moment we had we have a summer window transfer window which just shut. Now we're the window shut for four months, and it opens again in January where we can do where we can start to do some trading again if we need to. One of the things that's interesting is you're not just competing against the other clubs in your league. You're competing against the other clubs and all other leagues when it comes to salary, right? So, for instance, if you're a player and you're beyond 30 and you get offered more money by a lower level club, someone who's in their 30s may say, I'm at the end of my career. I'm going to take more money, even though I'm playing in a lower league, whereas someone in their 20s may say, I'll take less money because I want to play in the higher level league. 
Explain that to our yeah, audience. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard for the audience to understand that, actually. That they, they, I mean, there is teams in, in, in the National League, which is, which is Wrexham's league, right. if I can give an example, where uh, there's three or four of them teams that can compete and beat, probably, or beat, yeah, the top earners in... Wrexham will have a bigger wage bill than the top team in League Two. The advantage Wrexham have got, there's no salary cap or or financial restraints you have to work within level five, but in level four you do. So they they will have a big salary. There'll be other clubs within that league like Chesterfield, uh, like Notts County. If you look at level five, uh, the English people will understand this. There's an awful lot of league clubs, ex-league clubs in, in level five. We, we When we took over the club, we was in level five and we got out, out of that league in two years. But yeah, you can earn... You can earn more money. Than, and as you say, when you get older, remember it's a living. That's what right. people have got to understand. I mean, I played the game personally for 18 years myself. And, yes, yeah, football is a living. And, and, and if, you, if, if you're looking to uh, secure your family, or you're gonna, you, sometimes finances come into it. When you're a bit younger, like you explained there, it's about the ambition of playing as high as you possibly can. Uh, but then finances still comes into it. It, it, but it comes into it a bit more when you get older because you start to see that the end is nigh. You can't go on forever. We've got a player who just sat down and practically was 37, which is unusual. You know, the average span is about 35. I mean, I've finished personally. I started at 16 and finished at 34. So mm. an 18-year career wow. is, is seen as as, as uh, high. Uh, but, yeah, you've got to, you, you've got to you've got to look after your family like everything else. So finances will be a part of the decision-making process of what club you play for. One of the things I love about European football is the promotion and the relegation. Yeah. I cannot stand in American sports when a team tanks and tries to lose games in order to get a higher draft pick. We don't see that here. You don't perform well, you get relegated. You do perform well, you get promoted. Now, Leighton Orient, as I just mentioned, 19 points as we record this, and you're atop your league standings. Explain to our American listeners who are not familiar with this, how do you get promoted? Yeah, I mean, for, for our league, uh, there will be four teams that go up this year. So the top three will go up straight away. So if you finish first, second or third, you get promoted straight away. The teams in fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh play off for one more spot. So that's the plus side of it. And that's how four teams go up. But what you got to remember, there's two teams at the bottom of our league that will go into the National League. Uh, so all the way through the season, you are either looking upwards and thinking that you've got a chance of getting third, second or first, or into the playoffs. And sometimes if you're not having a very good season, you're looking over your shoulder, we called it, they're looking at that bottom. So it keeps fans engaged. Mm -hmm. It keeps managers and owners engaged because you're either pushing for promotion or you're, or you're fighting relegation. This year so far, we've been pushing for promotion and that's been the, that has been the plan for the season. Uh, but there's, yeah... I, it, I really struggle when I watch the MLS on 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 the on the on the TV and 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 they talk about no promotion and no relegation. This takes everything of what the English game is built on right. is taken away. I mean, we have got the Premier League where it's getting a bit repetitive in terms of you know Man City, Liverpool, probably the only two that can win it in my opinion at the moment, but. It's, you know, it's always been competitive and you've always got that promotion and relegation. And, and every year, there's probably, what, what do you get? Just trying to work out, you know, you've got probably 11 teams that get relegated and you get but the same sort of amount going up. So out of a 92-team league, probably every year you're getting 25% that are, that are going up or down. Mm. So you're always... We see ourselves, we come in at level five at National League. Uh, we believe Leighton Orient's a good League One club because it's proven to be that. So that's one level up from where we are now. Uh, we put a six-year plan into process. We're, we're now six-year. We got out of the bottom one. Now the aim is to get out of this one. Uh, we'd like to do that this season, but we shall see. We have not 
in the three seasons pre to this season, we've not ended up in the top seven yet. So this is the year where we're looking to end up in the top seven and have a chance of that promotion uh, push. You can feel the enthusiasm or the depression if you're about to get relegated yeah. from the fans. I mean, that's another one. You know, you talk about how you're planning, six-year plan. You've got the 2.3 million pounds that you spent. But when you're a fan and you're really living and dying by every match, you can feel that. That That's very tangible, I've noticed. Yeah, I mean, when, when you look at it 46 times a season, I the 46 games, you're, you're, you're either up, down, or, or indifferent, either win, lose, or draw. Yeah. And, and, and I think fans affect it affects them more you know there's if certain people that if you if you have a bad weekend in the football you know the, the wife chooses to keep well away from the husband or the husband goes down to the pub so but yeah you always it's a it's a very it's a very uh, it's, it's a it's a marathon not a sprint that's what we always say 46 games as i say probably 40 weeks of the season then in games are split over you're also in free cup competitions so you're forever you're forever doing what we've done with you over the last two, like the last day and a half, where you're preparing for a game. So, for instance, we're now sitting outside O2 in Rochdale, looking to play a game on a Tuesday night. But when the logistics, as soon as that game finishes, how can we freshen up these boys as quick as we can, or players? How quick can we get them back to London? When are they next going to come in to train? because we'll be getting back in two, three o'clock in the morning, but you start preparing them for Saturday's game. So you're always, you're always recovering, you're either recovering from a game or preparing for a game. There's very little time where you're just doing training for maintenance. It's, it's, it's very rare nowadays that you're doing that. You do your maintenance work and all the hard graft in the summer of pre-season work. Okay, again, you're the director of football. Uh, I think our audience is interested in what does your staff look like? So you've got the coaching staff, the training staff, the analytics staff. Yeah. You know, maybe you can break that down a little bit. Again, it doesn't have to be super specific, but, you know, in America, we see all these different coaching staffs and the front office on the, you know, football, basketball, hockey operation side. And I think people are interested about that here. Yeah, we've got, at first thing level, we've got uh, 13 13 staff, including myself, so director of football. Then we've got a head coach uh, who's assisted by two assistant coaches. Uh, then you've got the goalkeeping coach, uh, who, who, who are the people on the on the field every day. That, that I'm not on the field at all, but that they're them four are on the field every day. Then you've got the you got your your medical team. You've got two medical people with us today, but that's our medical team. Ed, Ed, Ed a medical and assistant Ed a medical. We got three analysts, two uh, opponent analysts. So they were working on the teams we're playing and our uh, strategy to help build to beat that team. And we've also got a recruitment analyst who doesn't travel with us. Uh, we've also got a recruitment scout that doesn't travel with us as well. So, and obviously we've got the kit man who's the most important man. Uh, you've met Ada. He's the one that pulls everything together. You know, if anything is wanted, needed, or I think Ada will come up with a solution. Uh, and there, then that kit man is worth his weight in, 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 in salt, to be honest with you, because he, he you know, he had the, the coach staff just have to nod and he knows what they want. And especially when it comes to match day, for players to get in, they like a routine. So, you know, the players will know what they want and Ada will know what them players want. And, uh, and yeah, the kit man is a massively important component and Ada's been a, a, an excellent kit man here for over 20 years. And you've got a new manager this year as well, new coach. Um, that seems to be working out well. Again, as we record this, you're, you're in first position, uh, 19 points, but... You know, as you said, you played for 18 years. You're now directing football for the club. You've seen a lot of things, but there's nothing like a new coach coming in and injecting some new, fresh energy into the club. Yeah, we were going stale uh, last year. We had, a, we had a good start last season uh, under Kenny Jacket. Uh, then we hit a, a rut and we went really we went really stale. We got in a real rut of, uh, of defeats and we chose to change uh, the manager. Uh 
but we, or the coach, head coach, not head coach that is now. So then, we, then uh, Richie Wellens, who's the head coach at the moment, come in uh, last year, uh, done a really good job. At the end of last season, uh, we were, I wouldn't say we were, we wasn't, but we was looking over our shoulder. Now what I talked about that relegation, right. we was never in there, never felt that it was going to happen, but it, it was close enough for us to fear it might happen. Richie come in, turned everything around, and then he has bought eight of his own players this summer that, we've, that the recruitment team do, do between us. Uh, it's a big part that I'm involved in the, in the recruitment of players. Uh, and, 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 and along with, he kept, he kept a lot of the players that were here last year. So he was, he, he was confident that they could do a job. And yeah, it's going excellent so far this year. You know, six wins and one draw is an unbelievable start, but it is only a start. I mean, it's, we've played, well, probably 10, yeah, about 15% of the season at the moment. Uh, it's an awful lot, to, a long way to go, but you'd rather be sitting, with 19 points at the top than sitting at the bottom, that's for sure. I've been around a lot of coaches uh, and just spending some time with you guys in the last 24 hours, I like the energy around this club. Um, whether it was the singing last night from some of the younger players to the trivia that took place, I, I think there's something to be said for team bonding off the field uh, and building chemistry as much as there is you know, performance on the pitch. Um, is that Richie? Is that yeah, you? No, is it a combination? It, 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 it's more Richie than me. I mean, yeah. I did, I did Richie's job myself for fifteen years, mm -hmm. uh, so I know what it's like to sit in that position. So I think that I have an empathy towards Richie because it's a difficult, a difficult role. But the the stuff that you see is is uh, pulled together by Richie and his team. I mean, I I'm based two days a week at the training ground, two days a week at the main stadium. So I, I sort of dip in and out of it. But the one thing that you, you feel when you go over to the training ground and ever since Richie's been in the building is a vibe, a real good vibe around the place. And, and yeah, we had a quiz last night with, with the players and the staff. We had a little bit of a darts competition with just the staff when the players went to bed. And, 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 and yeah, it's, it, it's, a, it's a good place to be at the moment. And when you're winning games of football, uh, football clubs are a good place to be, but I feel that it, whatever happens in terms of win, lose or draw, the, the vibe would be the same. The, the, I think the biggest asset of any manager for me or, or head coach is, is your man management. Whether your man, and even with my job now as a director of football, my man management towards my staff, towards the players who I don't have, I have less contact with, but I have enough contact to to speak to, but they wouldn't come to me unless there was a major, major problem. They would go to the coaching staff to, to, to solve that problem. But there is a good vibe. I, you know, you say, I, me and Richie, it's, it's quite weird how it worked for me and Richie, really, is that I met him, uh, I met him when we, when we were looking for a new manager pre this time, I met him. Uh, but he had another job when he met me. He had he had the Doncaster job, and he told me honestly. And then he phoned me and, and, and said, well, I'm going to take the Doncaster job, but I really, really like what went on with us. And that's amazing how it sticks in your head, because I really liked the vibe that I had with Richie at that time. And we was prepared, we wanted to offer him the job, but he chose to go to Doncaster. And when, he, when the Doncaster thing didn't work out, and our thing didn't work out, it was still in my mind. And, and, and when I was asked by the board, I put Richie on the shortlist again. Uh, to go and speak, I, you know, I go to, when we go for a manager, we have a short list or I'll have a coffee with about eight people and then probably push four or five people forward for the, for the next phase, but have that first initial contact. I've already, I'd already done that with Richie, so I was quite keen for the board and everyone to meet him and, uh, and it proved that they liked him and, and he was the answer. And it just proves that sometimes you interview him for something that was a, a year ago, eight months ago now, really. And then you take him a bit later because it hasn't worked out for you or for him, but you remember the interview you had for yeah. over coffee. And the good thing about it, he had the Doncaster job, but he wanted to have a coffee to see what it was about. And that's, that's, that's good management and good sensibility, if that's such a word, for Richie to do that. Yeah. Timing, right? Time, of course, yeah. Oh, it's all about time. Football's all about timing. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I've been so impressed with. So for our listeners, I think most of my listeners know I, this is my first trip to Europe. I've been all over the world for whatever reason. I've never been to Europe. Um, 
The sense of community here around sport is unlike any place I've ever been in the world. And it could be um, the lads who are playing cricket from the local pub uh, on the weekend and playing on a 200-year-old pitch and just doing it for the love and the camaraderie of the sport. Or it could be um, you know, families who have grown up going to matches and they go to the pub before and after the match. And it's just part of the fabric of the community here. You played for so long. Like maybe you can explain that and where it comes from to our listeners. Yeah, look, sport is, sport is life for, yeah. for me. You know, it's been 40 years for me. Uh, and I think sport would have been life even if I wasn't a professional footballer or professional football coach or professional football manager because sport, I was brought up very uh, in East London, very much in the, in the sporting family. And, 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 you know, you get them, you know, I started to go and to watch West Ham is my team. Latin Orient supporters will boo when they hear me say that, but they are my team. I was brought up in, in West Ham in Newham. And the community of, of, of that was, was, was that. And, it, and even later now, even though you haven't got, when I was a West Ham supporter, for instance, I would say 80%, maybe 90% of the people that come to West Ham walk to the stadium because mm. you all did locally. Right. Now that, isn't the case for West Ham and it ain't the case for Leighton Orient because most of our supporters have moved out but it's still that community you still got your you know your your dad or your granddad your dad and your child and, and you try and pass it down and, 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 and we're getting a little bit of a new vibe in, in, in Orient as well because it's a it's a it's an up and coming area it was uh, it was it was one of the areas in London that wasn't the best and now it's been redeveloped so you're now getting a new new money but people that you are getting people that now are moving into apartments that can walk back to Leighton Orient but, but most of our support would come in on the train uh, but they would have been supporting the club for years and it's life it's family you know it's life for people I mean say for me I don't know you know this weekend was really weird because we had a weekend off uh because of the, the the Queen's passing, so we was we we were never at a game on Saturday, and uh, you know during the summer I've had Saturdays where uh, I've not had football and managed to do something. This Saturday just seemed to go on forever because I had no football to to go to my job, I had no football to watch on the telly. I even found my wife, who I've been married to for thirty three years. I ain't seen this. I said, "What are you doing here?" She, she said, oh, "I'm here when you watch football." Yeah, and, and my life is is sport. It right. is, I, I I admit that, and and, and without sport, but it, it is inbred, and you you're born into it, and it's it, it's it could be a different sport. It could be cricket, as you say. It could be whatever it can be. But most most families would have a, a sporting link somewhere. That dominates their that dominates their life, and 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 it, it's big in England. It's massive in England. I mean, what other what other club, what other other country could, the size of England could uh, support? What you got? Ninety two, hundred and sixteen full time teams that, that people go to every week and go and watch and support, and and everyone's got a fan base that's you know ranging from seventy thousand to maybe two thousand, but they're that's and there's loads of teams below that as well. I mean, it's really amazing because you know you look at the United States, like New York, Los Angeles, Chicago. Yeah. Imagine there being 116 teams in one of those cities. That's what we've got in London. Yeah. Well, in, in England. In, in England. Yeah. yeah. So you got you got 116 professional football teams in England, as you say, and each of them have got their own community. Each of them have got their own. Story you're talking about Leighton or in 1881, and they're all there. And, and it's you know, there's been a lot of a lot of talk about how strong the Premier League is, and is it detrimental to the Football League? I don't think it is. I think that them you're always going to have the pyramid. I think, that, and if you speak to the Premier League clubs deep down, they know the strength of English football is the pyramid, so everyone. So us sitting in League Two right this moment in time, on top of it, we can dream about being in the Premier League. Hmm. Now, whether that ever happens, you know, it's a very, very long shot. But you can dream it, it. There's nothing to stop it happening because there is a structure that can take you there. Yeah. So that I think that's that's the strength of the English game. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, again, for American fans, this would be like your favorite minor league baseball team playing at the level of the New York Yankees and Boston Red Sox um, and having the ability to move up to the major league baseball level um, or, you know, uh, USFL or XFL team being able to move up to the NFL. It it just doesn't happen. So I I like the structure here more because the fans can dream the you know organization can dream and you can always be plotting ahead versus well let's tank some games and get a better draft pick yeah and when you i mean i didn't when you 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 said that on the coach yesterday and 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 i didn't realize that that i knew that if you finish bottom you got the first draft i didn't think that there would be an actual way of make trying to make yourself bottom that would be frowned upon here yeah. massively, you know, tanking, you call it. We call it chucking the game, you know, they're just not trying. And I suppose it's not, can't be proven, but that's what obviously happens. Yeah, we would we would struggle with, well, I do struggle, you know, when I look at the, the MLS and, and, and uh, I struggle knowing that, you, that the, the MLS is going to look the same next year as it does this year. That, and for me, that just ain't, real football because you ain't fighting for you sometimes you need to be fighting for your life to survive to keep out of relegation sometimes you learn more about yourself in them situations than you do when you're winning things and to see people perform under that pressure i think it it it, it, it it's a real test and i think it and for me the american way of of and i understand why they do it in, in terms of the size of the the franchises and, and, and the finances of it, and you can't forever drop between there and there. But, you know, you've got to adapt and learn. Yeah. yeah. Martin Ling, the director of football for Leighton Orient, thank you so much for letting me embed with the team. Um, I've learned a lot just from watching your inner operations. I'm looking forward to the match this evening, the match on Saturday, spending some time with Nigel. Next week, we'll focus more on the business operations of Leighton Orient. You've got streaming service that's launching, an app, um, a lot of new things. The sports betting here is so different yeah. than in America. I mean, it is crazy how advanced you guys are here and how much longer you've been doing it and that you can basically bet on anything with request to bet and services like that. So I'm looking forward to that. But where are we right now? Like in Manchester? Yeah, we're in, we're in, we're in Rochdale. Uh, I just had to lay in there about Manchester. She said, no, we're Greater Manchester. So there's obviously a reason. <laughs> we're not actually in Manchester. We're in Greater Manchester. We're in Rochdale. And for your listeners, I just want to say, Brian, yesterday morning, <laughs> got round the underground from where he was to Leighton. And he found his way, and it's, it was a miracle when he phoned me and said, I'm at the coach at quarter past nine to go. Uh, but <laughs> it, it, it was good going, first time, a good attempt. And, and yeah, Manchester, look, lovely. You say we're four hours from London, as yeah. you know. And uh, you can have an inside run on it tonight. We're going to let you go in the dressing room, see what goes on in how Richie works and how the mm-hmm. team works, and you're yeah. going to be close to it. I think it'd be interesting for you. So I, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, I will. And we'll talk about it on our show next week. And yeah, um, navigating the underground yesterday. It was interesting. I mean, any city I've ever been to on earth, you can get a taxi or an Uber. Apparently not in London when you were trying to get to the other side. I was on the west side trying to get to the east side. Right. So I had to get on the underground. Martin was kind enough to <laughs> talk me through the different ways to navigate to get from uh, Richmond, yeah. home so, of AFC Richmond, the yeah. fictitious team of Ted Lasso, yeah. um, to Leighton, and, and I made it. So yeah. thank you. Well, I, it's quite weird. I, 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 I made out in my head that he was a child. So I said, you get on the green line. <laughs> You hey. get off the green line and get on the red line with a name of a station. And it, 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 it can be confusing, but well done. I literally, when I was at the park the other day, I saw some uh, lads playing cricket. Yeah. And I said, explain cricket to me like I'm three years old. Yes. So you explained the <laughs> underground to me like I was three years old, and, and I appreciate it. Good to talk, mate. Thanks, Martin. Cheers, mate. This episode of Sports Business Radio is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy the fastest-growing fantasy app ever released, and the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. And with early investors like Mark Cuban, 
Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, and Jared Goff. I know that Underdog Fantasy is made for people like me who are on the go and want something quick, easy, and fun to play. And today we've got a special offer for Sports Business Radio listeners. If you sign up to Underdog Fantasy using the promo code SBR, they're going to double your first deposit up to $100. No risk, no long-term commitment. Just sign up using promo code SBR and your first deposit is matched up to $100 for free. I already play Underdog Fantasy on the Underdog Fantasy app, but if I didn't, I'd use that free $100 and go for a pick'em contest where I can bet the over-under on individual players or team matchups. Or maybe the Best Ball Mania 3 contest worth $10 million in total prizes. All you have to do is draft a team for the season. No waivers, no lineups, no injury reports. Underdog Fantasy takes care of all of that for you. So do what I've been doing. Go to Underdog Fantasy, download the app, sign up with promo code SBR, and get started right away with a free match on your first deposit up to $100. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our team at Sports Business Radio. Brian Griggs, Josh Blank, Ryan Nakajima, and our friends at CG Sports who power Sports Business Radio. C.G. Young, Matt Amerlin, Nicole Wardle, and Calvin Wirtz. I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions, griggsproductions.com.